Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where each of us brings forth five topics to discuss. My name is Mark Pesci, and with me as always is the Harold to my Kumar, John Campagna. What's going on, John? They should make another one of those. That, those were good movies. I, I think they that might be in the works, actually. And White Castle? I, delicious. I, yeah, White Castle is delicious. I wish they yes. had those up here in Rhode Island. So, Mark, you're looking especially crisp today. I'm crisp? Yes, crisp. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been called Chris before, but yeah, we, I do have uh, I do have a new video set up, you know, in preparation for something that might be coming up Things later in the come. season. Uh oh, <sighs> HD blink. Mark, exactly. HD. Yeah. yeah, I might have to start wearing makeup now just so I can <laughs> look pretty on camera. Yeah. Need a gaffer. Need a gaffer. Word. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make it big so we can get gaffers. Ooh, can I get a fluffer? Uh, that's not what this <laughs> podcast is about. We have to sell a few more to get a fluffer, I think. John, anyway. I believe that's that's the next search result when you put uh, in if these balls could talk. The next search nah, result. The next, <laughs> get it. The next. They do. Uh-huh. As per usual, with us is our producer and our version of Hero Nakamura from Heroes, Pete Steffen. How are you doing, Save Pete? Save the cheerleader. Yes, I have stopped time so that I have enough time to do this podcast. That would be a great feat. Wouldn't it be a great superpower, man? I would love that. Yeah, except you'd probably end up like spending all that time and the time stopped just like still doom scrolling on your phone anyway. (laughs) 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 It's like like you had a chance to like master the guitar and like write poetry and invent something. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Okay, so do you still age when time has stopped? It's a good question. I don't know. Right? Because time doesn't stop for you. So do you still age? That's true, right? Well, I don't know. You don't really age in space, right? Uh, no, you, you do. But you totally space. still age. The same. You still, the same. You still age. It's the same thing. <laughs> Anytime you're out of the orbit, you're not aging. It's true. True I mean, story. True story. Black hole. You might. Buzz Aldrin is Gra- gravity causes years old. time. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that explains why Elon Musk wants to get off planet. So. Or time causes well, gravity. Well, that's because he's an alien, Jeff. No, that's true. So with us today, uh, returning to the show is our good friend Jeff and Pycars. Welcome back to the podcast, Jeffem. Hey guys. It's good to be back. Well, great to have you Jeff, back, buddy. Mark and I decided um, that you are going to be the eighth guest every season. So every season. Uh, we're going to just sign you up for the rest of time. This is the eighth Sweet. episode of the season. Yeah. You have a permanent slot for episode eight. Permanent nice. Slot. Lucky number eight. I'll take permanent that. Slot. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go Ooh. play that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think like who has been number eight. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, right? Oh, Alex Ovechkin really? was in number eight. Uh, Cam Neely. Apparently, mm-hmm. I only know hockey players that have worn the number eight. Antoine Walker. I'll had, take that. He had the shimmy. Can you guys think <laughs> of some fav- famous Yankees that wore the number eight? Because I will be very sad if you can't. My cross-country number was eight. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. <laughs> That's famous, right? Yes. The, fav- the famous the New famous York Yankee Pete. cross-country Pete. <laughs> you know, just That's in the same Barra echelon, and right? Mickey Mantle. Just yeah, tiny you know, guys. I thought Mantle was nine. Uh-oh. Oh, am I a better Yankee Mark, fan uh, than you? Does Mark know right. more than No, Jeff. Roger Maris was nine. Uh, oh, oh, all right. What, my, yeah. Wait, what number was Mantle then? Well, Barrow was eight. Barrow was the first one. He, I'll, Barrow, take, I'll actually, take Yogi. Barrow got the number eight retired, so it's it's Yogi Barrow's number. It is Yogi I'll, I'll take, number. I'll take Yogi. You yeah. know, you never know, you know? <laughs> you never know. Uh, gotta love those Yogi quotes. <laughs> yeah, but we digress. Well, it's good to talk about the Yankees. Yes. Uh, we, you gotta cut all that out. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have faith in Anthony Volpe. Mark has an unusually high knowledge of Yankees, I see. Let's say we get to know more about our friend Jeffem, shall we? 
So, Jeff, I'm back in our college days. You had a band named Corona of the Sun, and I was kind of your band manager. We did a lot you of were. things. Yeah, we, I was. We did a lot of things that most bands do, like played gigs and even recorded an album. That, believe it or not, is still on Spotify to this day. Yes, it is. It is still on Spotify. You can still find it. You can still, you still find get proceeds it. for that. Uh, I may be getting 10 cent checks sent to the house still. I don't know. <laughs> Spotify, uh, I think Spotify pays even less, right? So it's it probably 10 it cents be, over might, the last 10 yeah. years. I think I owe them 10 cents maybe. Yeah, Amazing. So tell us about the experience with Corona the Sun, how it may have directed your life, and perhaps your favorite memory from it. Wow. Um, Corona of the Sun, that's a throwback. Yeah. Uh, Cot. So the experience, that was my first time playing in bands, which kind of sparked a whole love of music and playing in bands. Um, so I picked up singing for the first time, I think it was 2002. And it's been kind of just a total love affair since then. In terms of the experience, though, it was like, you know, I'll never forget many of the memories, those first gigs, which we were just so terrible. <laughs> but um, just, you know, getting your feet wet and then learning to record and get along with like three other people in a creative setting. I mean, it's just there. there's so many like wonderful moments. And then there's so many moments where you're just like, oh, my God, why am I doing this? But I wouldn't have changed a thing. Honestly, Do we still have photos from the band photo shoot? Because I think we should post those. Oh, yeah, I oh, still have all those. I have it in Amazing. my mantle. <laughs> I have one of the band photos on my mantle. Nice. Nice. We, yeah, were, so, no, we were so cool. It was it was a ton of fun, though. I still have the photo when we won the Battle of the Bands. Uh, we did win the oh. Battle of the Bands at RPI. So that was a lot of fun. And um, it sparked. I went on to play in a couple of bands after that. One for a long time in the middle of Connecticut, um, where that band I toured all over the Northeast with paid, played like over 100 shows. Black and Velvet, then, right? Yeah, that was Black Velvet. And then after that... You guys are I, fucking awesome, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank You're you, welcome. John. Yeah. yeah, no, it was that that group was a lot of fun. Um, and then I played very briefly with a group um, in Boston. Unfortunately, it fell apart pretty fast. Um, but I still play the guitar sometimes. I was singing to my son this morning. I'm at the uh, breakfast table. So that was a lot of fun. It's definitely changed my life for the better. Have you written some songs for your son? I have not yet. I've had ideas. I've yeah. had lyrics. I, I don't play as much as I used to, if I'm being honest, especially lately. Um, but I still pick up the guitar now and then. I still have fun with it. I still I still get the ideas. You know, I still write them down. I still try and, and get back to it. But I don't have a whole ton that I've done recently. Well, look at the three of us. It's real easy to become a creator. I've heard. I've heard. Sure. It's just you, you just you just yeah. put a microphone in front of yourself. Just right? Put a you microphone in front I mean, of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean that that's the whole trick, right? It's like you can talk about all you want. Just go start doing it. Yeah, I think that's the key. But as with so many things in life, and I'm sure you y'all can appreciate it, it's it's time, man. Especially now with a kid, it's oh, it's yeah. basically like you go from work to taking care of him to taking care of house stuff, and just finding the time is hard. Um, so not. That's me making excuses. Um, <laughs> that said, I, I still want to. I still miss it. And I've got most of my setup back up here. So this microphone that's uh, in front of me right now, and I've got my studio monitors set up on my desk again, and I'm working on some acoustic panels. So nice. That's really cool. Really, yeah. Really cool. Get, 
Getting things set back up slowly but surely. I feel you. I don't have time to do shit anymore. (laughs) So I was at a seminar. I was at a seminar yesterday and there was someone that uh, did a presentation about their daily routine. And they, they mentioned that every day, and he did this for about 30 years, he always set aside five minutes to just absolute quiet. He actually scheduled in his day every single day. And he said that it it works for him, but some people, they should probably do it for 30 minutes, depending on how hectic their their day might be, or just if they have that availability. But he said that he's done that for 30 years and he's felt centered like pretty much his whole life. Hmm. Have you guys tried guided meditation? Yeah, I do Uh, it every single day, 10 minutes. So great. um, First time I did it, I cried like a baby. So, you know. Wow. No, that's not a lie, by the way. That's not an yeah. It's not an exaggeration. I did. I was like, I'm so tired. So, so Jeff, do you use a, Do you use an app or do you use uh, something on YouTube or something? I've experimented a number of different like tools and apps and YouTube channels, but what I've been on for the last few years is Headspace. Uh, uh, Headspace. Okay. So, I'm guessing uh, I'll, I'll use your term. Not a sponsor, right? <laughs> but, um, not a sponsor, but you could be. Drink. Yeah. Um, but Headspace is awesome. They have a ton of good content. The the main person there on it, his voice is like wearing a blanket. So it's uh it's very soothing. But um to John's point, yeah, it it really uh I found what it does for me is it just creates a little space, you know, between like that moment where you react to something and and you feel something. It gives you just a little bit of space. It kind of trains you to be like, okay, like how do I want to react to this? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always fix it, you know. It doesn't always make it better, but it, it at least opens that space up. That's that's been my experience. That's really insightful. I think yeah. that a uh, hard part about growing up and being an adult, and then being an old adult, is understanding the change that's going on in your life, and not just yeah. feeling like you're 25 every day. I yeah. still do that. So <laughs> <laughs> there's some good things and bad things that come with that, but yeah. I am slowly giving up some of the sports that I do, but I am slowly learning not to treat my body like it's still in its 20s. <laughs> so now in its 30s, right? Sure. Uh, we mentioned Corona of the Sun and everything like that. Um, what we haven't mentioned yet is that not only was Mark the manager of that band, I was also the engineer. Oh, thank you, Mark. I was also the engineer and producer on that album, actually along with Lee Goodrich, who helped uh, track some of those hey, some of those songs. Shout, Shout out to Lee. Lee. So that was a ton of fun. And um, I guess I wanted to talk to you about our kind of shared love for audio engineering and music, like the engineering side of it, I should say. I think I've mastered a couple of the Black Velvet albums with you. Uh, you've even done a couple other projects that I've gotten to be a part of. We, we started recording a song and never finished it. Maybe we'll get back to it someday. I can make drums now. Nice. So, <laughs> um, so a theme song. <laughs> how um, how would you say you changed musically since like back in those early days um, and 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 engineering too? And how have those changes related to like personal life? Like, is there any correlation there? Like, did one drive the other? And uh, what about Ooh. music is makes it great to you? Yeah, I, I think the thing that makes it great for me that one I can answer quickly is. Mm. Music has the power for me. I don't know about y'all, but like it just takes you back to a moment in time. Every time, like a, a song will come on, and I will just instantly like remember I where I was when I first heard it, or, or in the case of creating it, like what I was doing and when I was creating it and who I was creating it with, and like when the idea came to me. So it just has this 
almost like ability to help you time travel for lack of a better term. <laughs> and I just think it's, it's incredible. Like it draws up emotions and feelings mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's really what speaks to me. In terms of what you said, the other stuff, Pete, I would say what's changed the biggest is my musical tastes. Um, mm. I mean, I went from like straight Not up listening to Soundgarden every day now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I went up for like a straight up like grunge hard rocker to now. I mean, I listen to all, all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's definitely primarily in the rock genre, but I mean, everything from indie rock to pop to um, hard rock to soft rock to, I mean, you name it. I, I would say my musical tastes have become much more eclectic. Um, that's been the biggest. Can you name an artist that maybe other people haven't heard of right now that you're really into? I've been listening. I, they've probably heard of it though. I, I've been listening to Alabama Shakes a lot okay. lately. I've heard of that um, band. Yeah, I've been really digging their stuff. What do you think about how has the internet age changed music and the availability of music? And like we said before, how the has distribution. Like, the distribution of music and the ease of it? So like, there's just a lot more and a lot more options. And I think yeah. that's added to like the weirdness of music for lack of a better term. Um, we had this conversation before where it's like, there's not a classic rock band, like a, no. there's not a nineties rock band. There's not a lot of instrument. Rock in general is kind of going away right now. Yeah. But it's, it's there. It's just buried. It's not in the spotlight. Buried. We still have the Foo yeah. Fighters. Yeah. yeah. Still have the Most Foo Fighters. I feel like it's, Aww. it's no. fallen out of Too like soon. the pure, like mainstream, but I think what the internet has done overall, and especially, I'm just going to say Spotify has done this um, largely, but so is a lot of the social media. It's created instead of a monoculture. I literally like saw a whole thing on it's from Finn McKinty. Shout out to Finn McKinty. Hmm. Um, Not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was watching his YouTube channel. And he said it really well. He pointed out how it's kind of like the death of the monoculture of what you've seen. Whereas like right? 80s, 90s, 2000s. It was like the music industry was a juggernaut and everything like you, you listen to a certain set of bands. And if you listen to rock or rap or R&B, like here are the groups you listen to. I think what's happened now is we have a lot more selection. So it's almost caused us to become more, um, I'm gonna, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say tribal. Like there are lots hmm. more groups now and okay. there are lots more people in those groups, right? Yeah. Um, maybe it's not the hundreds of millions of people or tens of millions of people, but there's pockets that are big enough to support lots of different genres, which I think is really freaking cool. Mm -hmm. um, that is cool. Okay. I think there's also an overlap in music. And so oh, I was there's just thinking pop that, yeah. bands that are very rocky. There's there's mm, rap bands that are, are very folky. Yeah. I mean, there's really crazy things going on in music right now. And I know personally, I am much more into many more genres than I used to be. And that, and part of that is just getting old, but like I listen to top 40 sometimes. There's a lot of yep. top 40 stuff I really like. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Pete's a big Doja Cat fan. I do like really? Doja Cat. It's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I don't think that's a guilty pleasure. I man. love her voice. It's just so, I don't know what it is. It was like the first time I heard Kiss Me More, like before it got played a gajillion times, it was like, I'm like hypnotized by this. It was just captivating. And the playing the, the CD, like in a good setup, like, wow, like, the production is so good. I was like, yeah. some of those pop albums, cool. man, they sound so good. It's That's like, why it's he likes Doja like Cat. Them. The production is so good. And, well, you know, Doja Cat. It, it took me a while, but another one I'll throw out there to back you up, Pete, is um, Billie Eilish. Like, her, yes. her soundscapes yes. are amazing. Like, yeah. like she's she creative just as hell. Took, she came at it a totally different way. I would never have thought to put music together the way that she and I believe her brother, they work yep. together, Phineas. I believe. Okay. Um, so that, that's pretty amazing too. So I'm, I'm with you, man. I listen to some yeah. of the top 40 stuff too. Speaking of Billie Eilish, did you hear her on 
she performed an SNL and they did a thing where like they rotated the camera and it made it look like she was yeah. like walking up and down walls of this yeah. house. It was like, <laughs> it was, so it was cool. like the Jamiroquai video from like back in the nineties. Uh, oh, yeah, Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai, huh, Mark? Uh, that's, that's <laughs> a throwback, man. Deep yeah, cut there. Cut. So Jeff, I'm, just like last week, I think I have the most important question of all. Mark and I are very excited to start up our stadium tradition with you again. And uh, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Jeff and Mark and I many years ago started a tradition where we would each go to our three home stadiums. I'm a Yankee fan. Mark's a Red Sox fan. Jeff, I'm wearing a nice Mr. Met hat, is a Mets fan. And so we generally always get to one of them and sometimes two, but I don't think we've ever gotten we've to all three. three. Is this the year? Also, what's your favorite? Not home. MLB stadium you visited and why? Damn it, John. All right, fine. Take away the... <laughs> well, no, let's start Start with the important question. It's well, the yeah. important question. Are we doing it? Well, yes. I mean, oh, I, yeah. first of all, I would say yes, we're doing it. I'm pretty sure I can get I, Red Sox tickets really cheap. I heard, oh, yeah, I heard sure about that. Yeah. They, they kind of <laughs> stink. <laughs> and then I'll sell a kidney for Yankee tickets. So we got that. <laughs> nice. And it's about the same for the Mets tickets. So we're good yeah. to go. Um, Excellent. No kidneys. No, can I, we I, borrow a kidney? Uncle Steve, we need, we need Mets tickets. <laughs> Uh, I need Uncle it back. Steve. No, we're gonna sell it. No, we're sell no, that no. shit. You can rent it. All as right, long good. as we see Chris Sale, Mark, I'm good with it. Because Sale looks <laughs> ridiculous right now. Um, oh, we better hurry up before he gets hurt again. Yeah, or <laughs> traded. So I would say, yeah, if I had to choose between the three ballparks, ooh, that's I gotta go with Fenway, and I only say that because well, it's not yeah, buddy. Just oh, the, outside of the three. Oh, all I mean, oh, all? just not City Field. All? That's the only one you can't pick. Um, not City Field. Ooh, that's a... Mm. Camden? I, I almost said Camden, yeah. Mark, I almost said Camden, but I, I think I'm going to say... Um, I'm actually going to say Wrigley. Because... Wrigley? It, mm. Out of one. the old ballparks, like, I, you know, I, I love Fenway, for example, but, like, there's something about Wrigley, the, the yeah. ivy on the walls, the, like, it throws back to, like... You know, Field of Dreams. There's something yeah. about it for me. It's like kind of magical when you go into that stadium. We talked so, about Wrigley on our last episode, actually. Yeah. I also so really I, if I Ridley had to Field. choose, I would say Wrigley, honestly. Okay. Um, cool. There's other ones I want to go to. So that's a different, that's a different question. But Wrigley would be my What's choice. What's your, uh, if you could pick anyone, where, where would you go today? Today, um, I really do want to check out, um, I really want to check out the Seattle uh, stadium. So. I've been. There. I, I don't know. I've never been to a dome, and I want to. I want to see it. And it's frankly, not in a for dome the summer, anymore. they took the dome. Oh off wait, it? no, no, wait. I'm sorry. No, they dome. do have the retractable roof. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you talking? I was about? thinking. <laughs> I was thinking of the Kingdom, and it's not definitely not the Kingdom anymore. Um, My two favorite Safe indoor Co-field. stadiums, Arizona and Milwaukee, for different reasons. Um, but Arizona has a pool. Arizona has a pool. So. Mm. Well, just for pure craziness, I I at some point want to check out Marlins. Like Miami's stadium looks <laughs> uh, it looks bonkers. Like they That's they have cool. like a whole water thing in the outfield. Like I don't know what's going on Maybe there, what? but I just want to see it because it gotta, looks so ridiculous. You got to do something to keep the fans entertained because the baseball team doesn't do it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. So I'll lean towards Wrigley, John, and I'll say is my I'll stick with my answer. I, Seattle's just such a beautiful town in the summer. So I read today that their um, Oakland is looking into Las Vegas in Las Vegas. They, they bought land. They bought they land. Bought yeah. land. They're moving. They're moving. I mean, they're just going to follow their cousins, the Raiders and the Raiders Stadium. All the sports complexes in Vegas are frigging wonderful. Yeah, large. Well, there's a lot large of large and for beautiful to, and to, new. To <laughs> and so I think it's really. I mean, honestly, um, I've been to the Oakland Stadium. It sucks. I think it's a good move for them. I think it's a good move, but it's. 
it's such a storied franchise in Oakland. I feel sad well, that it's this, moving. This is know? actually the thing, I guess, for the athletics, because before they were in Oakland, they were in Kansas City. Right. Before they were in Kansas City, they were Philadelphia. So they just up and move every like so often. <laughs> but Interesting. By far Kansas recent City history. Athletics. I mean, come on, like yeah. Ricky Henderson in athletics in Oakland athletics jersey. I mean, that was mm -hmm. like so oh, yeah. iconic, you know. Yeah. I just I mean, Ricky Henderson just... in a Yankee uniform. Ricky Henderson and McGuire, <laughs> Canseco. Yes, exactly. Uh, that was those are some really good teams. I read another weird stat today. Um, the Oakland Athletics had the most prolific pinch runner. Um, he could run a nine second forty, and he never played in the field. And I think he stole thirty one bases one season. Who is this? I forget. It. I, I read it today. I don't remember his name, but they, so had, a, the they Reds, had a professional pinch runner. Yeah, the Reds used to have a guy like that, too. I think his name was Billy Hamilton. And that's right. essentially what he was. He was like a professional pinch runner. <laughs> because he, he couldn't Hamilton. really bat. I remember hearing about Yeah. I think he was like a sub-200 batter. Herb Washington. I just looked it up because my memory sucks. <laughs> maybe I need to see how bad Oakland Stadium sucks before they go then. Maybe, maybe, I'll, <laughs> maybe that'll bump it. Let's say we get started. Are you ready, everyone? Hell yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Boom, chick, boom, boom, chick. So, uh, so another big contract has been signed again from a quarterback, Jalen Hurts, signing for a five-year, $255 million contract extension to stay with the Philadelphia Eagles. Other franchise quarterbacks that are eligible for an extension are Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And of course, there's Lamar Jackson of it all. So, gentlemen, how will the contract that Jalen Hurts just signed affect Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert? And $179 million guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Right? Isn't that crazy? I mean, I, we said this, everybody said this at the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts was not the reason that they lost that Super Bowl. Nope. I think Jalen Hurts no. is young and prolific and smart and athletic. I think he's going to be a very, very successful quarterback and now incredibly rich. I think that it's going to make Lamar Jackson bargain worse. I think it's going to not be a problem for Joe Burrow because the, the Bengals need Joe Burrow. So he'll get a good contract. Oh, Burrow's going to get a, a bigger contract than, uh, than Hurts. Right. I think he has two. I think, he, I mean, I think he's equally successful. I think that he deserves about the same. So he'll get a little more. And not that Danny Dimes money, though. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, How do man. we know you're going to bring up Danny Dimes, John? Every do every time. It has to be every show. Uh, it's part of the drinking. Where, so where does Justin Herbert fall in line? You think less than them? He's going to be I, a less than I Burrow, but is he more than Hertz? He's I not more than Hertz. I don't know. I Los Angeles loves Herbert. Herbert. I looked up. It was funny. I you know just looking purely at the numbers. His numbers are very similar, like surprisingly yeah. similar to the yeah. other guys. I was like, oh, interesting. Oh, like he's he's great numbers wise. Yeah. He just hasn't. That team is just something about it. They it's always a terrible choke head coach. The Brandon Staley is just not a good coach. Yeah. Well, he's a yeah, charger. Maybe that's it. Then by the I mean, yeah, by the end of the season, they just found out. <laughs> yeah, I, say I one just, more time, John. He's a charger, guys. One <laughs> 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 of the just, chargers been good. Uh, yeah, but that's no fault to Herbert. Like I, I always liked him. The the deal feels pretty insane. I mean, the money they're spending yeah. on these quarterbacks is just it feels like it's getting out of hand. But that said, when I looked at it. They're doing that classic thing they do in football, right? Where it's heavily yeah. backloaded. Yeah. So it's like they're only yeah. taking a $4 million cap hit next year. So they're going to. Well, he's still in his rookie game. deal. He's next oh, season. Right. He's still so in his it's rookie more deal. of an extension right. after that. 
But, but, you, but you're absolutely right. Like right. the first few years, it's really not that much. But then like the last year of his contract is going to be like $100 million. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they're going to probably play the renegotiation yeah. game. And of course, I mean, for Jalen Hurts, this was like a sweetheart deal. I mean, like he'll still be 30 at the end of this thing. Yep. I was looking at how young yeah. he was. I was like, wow, this is by a great way, deal for him. By the way, a lot this of time is the left. reason that Tua keeps playing. Because there's a difference between being rich and being generationally wealthy. And you have to hit that second. You have to hit that first contract. Mm-hmm. You have to. I mean, you just yeah. made the NFL, right? And you're yeah. a quarterback. And if you don't make that first contract, you think about that for the rest of your life. Tua yeah. also has to stay on the field. That's yeah. his True. biggest problem. He, he maybe True. you shouldn't worry about the money and just worry about his health. No, but I think. I mean, I think that's the problem. It makes it hard to worry about your health when you're worried about the money. Yeah, and not he, like a little money, like a lot of money. He did say, uh, he came out in an interview recently that he really seriously thought about retiring after this year with, with all the head injuries. I mean, like he Pete, what would did. you do, right? The difference uh, between mean, 20, a $25 million payday, which is a lot of money, but not generationally wealthy and maybe not for your whole life. I know. And making $250 million in five years. I don't know, John, if you can't remember that you made the money. I mean, that's what he <laughs> said. Oh, right. yeah, I, I mean, no, that's, that's the big the, roll of the dice. That is the no, big, but really, like... Yeah. Guys, giant that, challenge that second, he had two concussions that second yeah, yeah, concussion yeah, yeah. you saw we all saw it like yeah. oh yeah i mean it was like this guy is risking his his life yeah. i mean yeah. it, it, when yeah. he barely walk on the field yeah. but when he's clutching his hands that was very hard to watch yeah yeah that's what yeah. i so I, I get what you're saying john but it's like the difference between 25 and million and generation generationally wealthy it's like well if i have 25 million and i can still function i, I think i'd take that. i mean i think that me personally, I would think that I'd like to stop because my life and my family and all that stuff would be more important. But I'm what I'm kind of saying is that I think that it gives these kids a really hard decision. And I yeah. don't think everyone is that is yeah. strong enough to turn down that much money. Yeah. I mean, you also it, right? a lot of the people that make it that far, too, it's they're wired to like be headstrong competitor. And like, it's hard to take that out of somebody or, or tell them you can't do this anymore. It's it's. You know, that's it's yeah. like, yeah, the same thing as like chopping off a limb. It's it's a big part of their life. Remember a few years ago, Patrick Mahomes signed a 10 year, $450 million mm-hmm. deal. Doesn't that look it's like a bargain now? better every year? Yeah. And something Seriously. I looked up uh, doing research on this, only $63 million of that 450 is guaranteed. Wow. 63. I mean, yeah, proportionally, that's that's not a lot. These they all have Deshaun Watson, Watson to thank for this because. They would not be handing out these deals without and Kyler deal Murray and Russell Wilson. Yeah. Fucking but Deshaun Watson. I, I, the one who's going to get screwed out of this, I still feel bad is Lamar. I think Lamar is going to get screwed. I don't think he's. He needs to get an agent. That's what he no. needs to do. Yeah, he does. Well, he needs to win too. No, I he mean, needs to get an agent. He, he'd be he, in a much different spot yeah. if he had an actual agent. Probably. Yeah. He's Probably. getting in his own way and he just needs someone else to look for him. Like look an episode of Ballers. Right. Next topic, please. So guys, quarterback age has become a subplot of next week's NFL draft as two of the highest ranked QBs available are also two of the oldest. Tennessee's Hendon Hooker, a Heisman frontrunner for the last season, is 25. And Georgia's tiny phenom, Stetson Bennett, will turn 26 in October. There is also BYU's Jaron Hall, who turned 25 last month. In modern NFL draft history, only eight quarterbacks aged 25 or older have been selected with only three, Chris Wenke, Brandon Whedon, and John Beck. We don't know those names going before the sixth round. I know Chris Wenke. Florida State quarterback. Yeah, Florida State. Very good. So with quarterbacks absorbing less contact in the modern game, does age in a QB matter? 
or would you rather field smarts that might improve with being older? Yeah, so that's that, that's a give and take, right? So if you get them off younger, you can potentially have them for more years, but they tend to pick up more because they have more experience if they're older, right? Age is really just another attribute compared to like arm strength and intelligence and agility, all and those grip size. things. And grip size. Yeah, hand size. Hand size, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just some, some other arm talent. You know, that's the big thing with, with quarterbacks now is that term arm talent. Because <laughs> you just can't explain it. They just have the arm talent. The, the thing I wanted to call out, though, is the game has changed. And I actually think it does matter more because it used to be you could just be a pocket thrower, a classical pocket thrower. And in that case, yeah, less contact means you're probably going to play a lot longer. But these guys are running. They're scrambling now. And if you're doing that, I mean, look at Russell Wilson. You run, I mean, you hit that age 30, you start to slow down. Suddenly you lose that step. If you don't have that exceptional arm, right? If you don't have that ability to do those little things in the pocket, I mean, your career is going to end pretty fast. Again, the other one I think of is Michael Vick, right? It, mm, yeah. He still was pretty good in the early 30s, but like he hit those mid 30s and he just lost that step. All of a sudden he was getting tackled all the time. His arm was not that, it was good, but it wasn't that good. He so was in right. prison for a while too, and he still broke down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how about another name? Cam Newton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. That's the one. Oh, he, so, we watched his body just break down, and sadly, over the years. So we were, wa- we were talking about Jalen Hurts, and the way that he played that Super Bowl, I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was a Superman effort, but who was also called Superman was Cam Newton. Yeah. And I hope that Jalen Hurts does not try to do what he did in the Super Bowl for his entire career because it just he just seems to me like he would be another Cam Newton. And at the end of this this extension, after five years, what's he going to look like if he you guys takes remember um necessary roughness and the end of necessary roughness it still, <laughs> it still sticks with me where the center's like, I will keep you safe. He will and not I think Mr. Blake, he will not touch you. <laughs> Amazing, right? But <laughs> like, so that's good. the kind of vision I get from Jason Kelsey. And so I think maybe Jalen Hurts can do that play every day. Every day for the rest um, of his career. He'll get think, a million one-yard runs because Jason Kelsey is bigger than everyone. I think yeah. he's smart, too. Like, he knows he can lay it out in the Super Bowl, but he's not going to do that in like a regular like cross-conference game, you know? That well, what's interesting, and, and the reason I bring it up, is Hendon Hooker probably should have won the Heisman last year. And Hendon what? Hooker, 20. I mean, come on. He was great all season. But yeah, I mean, what, what I'm saying is he's 25 and he is a pocket passer and he will he's a get system drafted. quarterback, too. And he's a system quarterback. Mm. Exactly. Um, but he's probably not going to get drafted in the first round. And I just. Oh, he I actually think he will get drafted. You in the think first so? round. Hmm. I mean, because once teams are that desperate for once CJ Stroud goes one and Bryce Young goes two. And then everybody thinks about Anthony Richardson and what to do with him. <laughs> And then, then every, and then, and then, I'm sorry, Mark, the Patriots draft Will Levis. No, it's gonna, <laughs> gonna happen. Get a, no, they're gonna get a cornerback. They, they talked to him today. Mm. It's gonna it's, happen. It's Bill Belichick. He's gonna draft a cornerback. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. And once they pick like another useless white kid, <laughs> so and then there's nobody. There's nobody left. <laughs> oh my god. Exactly. So, so Herndon Hooker will be available after you say the Patriots uh, choose Will Levis. They will. <laughs> yeah. I'll just reiterate, though, the focus on athleticism in, in football and specifically starting to apply that to the quarterback position, I think is going to hurt hurt any of these these players yeah. in terms sure. of age. Um, again, the reason Tom Brady was able to play as long as he did, 
Because he, he was hit. a pocket passer and he didn't get hit. Yeah. The reason Drew Brees was able to play as long as he did. Yeah, Peyton he was Manning. a shorter quarterback. He was a thrower. He was not a scrambler, right? I think the re- I I'll, I'll say it here. I think Mahomes might have a chance at doing that because he has an exceptional arm. But he's going to have well, to learn. And he to, doesn't get hit. Like he, and, and he, he moves around, hit. but yes. he moves around. Yeah, he's he just contorts his body. Yeah. Does the modern yeah. quarterback but need to be like strong sometimes. sometimes? With like the way Does he, he bend his body. Well, whether they do or not, they yeah. s- that seems to be the trend, John, right? So, like, and, and, and we yeah. talk about it all the time, right? Um, and a lot of them run, but not a lot of the great runs run. Kyler Murray is faster than most running backs, but the, the Cardinals kind of suck. I don't think that's Murray's fault. Well, yeah. Maybe it is. I don't know. Hey, before we end this, since John mentioned Danny Dimes, I'm allowed to mention Josh Allen. Just yeah. for a quick comparison. <laughs> so Josh Drink. has had five seasons in the NFL. I would say three of them, he's been great. He's still 26. Same age yeah. as one of these guys and it hasn't even been drafted yet. Yep. Just, just putting that out there. So these people have a lot of time to catch up on and not as many years as you think to do it. But Tom Brady played till he was 44. Yeah, well, so everyone can. <laughs> but that's because I mean, that's because of TB12. TB12. I see nothing He's, wrong with this logic. Oh, I've got to the next topic. So prior to this season, the Sacramento Kings went 16 years without making the playoffs, which was the longest streak in the NBA. Not only did they make the playoffs this season, they finished as the number three seed with rising stars like De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, and veterans like Malik Monk and Harrison Barnes. This team finished 48 and 34 and had the number one offense for the whole league. So gentlemen, do we feel the Sacramento Kings are a real contender? I mean, they're probably going to beat the Warriors and that's going to really fuck with people's heads. Seriously, seriously. So, all right, just a little throwback. So the last year that they made the playoffs was the 2005-2006 season. And listen to these names. John, you'll probably uh, really appreciate some of these. Chris Webber. Oh, I love Chris Webber. Vlade Divac. Peja Stojakovic. Mike Bibby. Doug Christie. Sharif Abdur Rahim. And their head coach was Rick Adelman. And that team made the playoffs for eight consecutive seasons. What's even more amazing is last year, uh, they actually finished 30 and 52. So they finished 18 games better this year than last year. And for the most part, the, they had the same people on the team. So it's, it's kind of amazing uh, the turnaround that they had from one year to the other so it'll be yeah they as john said they're facing the wars right now it'll yet to be seen whether or not how far they can make it the west is wide open basketball is weird this year i think the west is and i think that probably adds to their ability to be good that the west is wide open i mean Mm -hmm. the teams are i mean the east is very dominant and the west Mm -hmm. is kind of whatever well the west the west shifted a little bit with the trade deadline because kevin durant went over to the suns who's his name went to the mavericks Oh my God, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving went to the Mavericks. That's a whole nother story because they just tanked. So there seemed to be a little bit of a shift to the West after the trade deadline. Like I said, the uh, Mavericks didn't even make the playoffs. The Suns are the number four seed, but and they haven't been 100% healthy. I mean, health is definitely a big thing with the playoffs, right? If you're not 100% healthy, then there's very unlikely that you're going to go very far. I mean, you got, you got Giannis, who's hurt right now on the Bucks. Uh, you got uh, John Morant on the Grizzlies, who's also hurt. And those both of those teams lost their, their first Can game. Can I just 
personally thank Mark Cuban for Jalen Brunson because I'm really, <laughs> I'm really very happy about that trade. And Jalen Brunson is probably the best point guard the Knicks have had in 15 years. The Knicks are look do look pretty good. They're still not going to beat the Celtics. Mm, maybe <laughs> we can hope. I mean, I think, and, and just to just to stick on the Knicks just for a second, I think that Jalen Brunson and a good point guard is the thing that have made the Knicks pretty bad since I they were good in the 90s. Well, you know what this te- uh, a good point guard and a good defense, which the Knicks have, it's when uh, I mean you have Tom Thibodeau as as the head coach, and that's when he had a really good team for the Bulls. He had a good point guard, Derrick Rose, mm-hmm. and a good defense. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And and what's cool about Brunson is that he's kind of a shooting guard and a point guard's mm-hmm. body. Like mm-hmm. he has good ball handling, but really he's a scorer. I mean, he got six, he he averages what like six or seven assists, but yeah. he still is a solid player on both sides. That's the thing these days too. Like you you can't be like a like an under six foot point guard in the league anymore because you're just gonna get you're gonna get eaten alive because people are gonna try and get you uh, on a defensive switch and they just annihilate you because everyone else is just so much bigger. I mean, that's what happened. Like you, you guys might not remember this. Isaiah Thomas was on the, uh, the other Isaiah Thomas was on the, the Celtics. He was, was going to say, yes. the one on the Pistons? No, not the, not the Pistons. There was another Isaiah Thomas. Uh, we called him IT and uh, he was well, a phenomenal player when he was on the Celtics, but he was a little, he was a little short uh, uh, and so people picked them picked on them on defense, and that's that's essentially why that team never made it very far. That's why Danny Ainge traded for Kyrie Irving because he, it was a little bit of a defensive liability. And now they have Marcus Smart. Uh, the Celtics ha- have as their starting point guard, who again is probably more of a shooting guard, but he learned to do ball handling a little better. Um, and 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 now look at the Celtics. In more Mark Cuban mistakes, can we? Th- can I ask your opinion on, do you think that the Mavericks are less good because Luka Doncic is a ball hog? No, I don't. You don't think so? And I mean, how does Luka how Doncic they... and Kyrie Irving exist on the same team? Well, keep in mind, they without when they just had Luka Doncic last year, I mean, they they were, I think, the fourth seed or the third seed. They were up there. And Luka Doncic is amazing. I mean, he's a top I, five player. I top five player in the whole league. He can, I thought he could play with anyone. But apparently he can't play with Kyrie Irving. But then again, I don't think anyone can play with Kyrie Irving. Guys, remember, we all went to Barclays Center so I could specifically boo Kyrie Irving. And he was out that game. And he was I out remember. that game. I was so yeah. mad. Side note, Luka Doncic is a 6-7 point guard, so there's that. I'm so mad. I'm still Mark, mad. Mark, at some point you're going to have to explain the, the, the beef with uh, Kyrie, though. He left the Celtics. Yeah. And he's an asshole. And How many teams asshole. has he been on, though, in the last couple of years? <laughs> so he well, started. He keeps with getting the, traded because yeah, he's an he keeps asshole. Getting traded because oh, nobody okay. likes him. He's just staying his home. And to see so many NBA superstars that like move teams every other year, it seems. But a lot that don't. Okay. So here's the next topic. So we're going to switch a little bit to something that Jeff does know a lot about. Closing in on the th- uh, end of three weeks of baseball, and there have been some clear stories. Uh, the Rays starting the season 13-0, tying the overall record set by the 1986 Brewers. My boy, Garrett Cole, starting at a scorching 4-0 with a .95 ERA and 32 Ooh. strikeouts. And Ronald Acuna Jr. batting 373 and has the highest FWAR, Mark's favorite made-up stat in baseball. What are some of your favorite (laughs) stories of the baseball season so far? And who should we look out for both teams and players? I mean, you, you name the first one. I think the Rays, man, I, 
I do not understand how that small market team, they are the little engine that could. They know they how to They are scout. like the always an underdog story. It's like they keep losing executives, scouts, managers, and I keep thinking that they're going to not be as good. And then every few years, they reemerge as a good team for like an excellent team, not just a good team for a few years. And they're still in first place, by the way. So, well, apparently they, they only let the crappy ones go because the, you know, the Red Sox got the, some crappy GM from, <laughs> from Tampa and they're just, yeah, I just want to say right? that I said this on the show last week when the race came up, but they finally played a team that was good and they lost two, two or three. Yeah, and the then Blue they Jays. found another play that, that they played another team that was good and they lost two or three. And so maybe they're not super great. They're just kind of great. Mm, I, I don't know. I think they're still. I, I they're pretty good. I think they're still very good. Um, their pitching, in particular, is excellent. Mm-hmm. You said individual. Uh, the other ones that I'm thinking about, um, the NL Central looks nasty. The Cubbies, Pirates, and Milwaukee are all duking it out right now, and then the Cardinals are always in play there. So I'm paying attention a lot to them. Um, specific players. The two I was looking at was Mason Miller on the Athletics. If you didn't hear about this kid, he throws 101 miles an hour as a starter, and he has a wipeout 87 mile an hour slider. That's not um, fair. The kid is fair. ridiculous. Like he was destroying the miners, got called up. And if you watch that game, he was making professionals look like they were playing Little League. Like it was incredible. Um, and on that note with curves, um, Clayton Kershaw, man, he's looking like Clayton Kershaw. Ah. Again. His, his velocity's up. Um, it's always a question if he can stay healthy, but like, he's looking really good again. He's still got that Cooperstown curve. I mean, and, uh, my last one, which I'll throw out there as a random reference is somehow Zach Greinke is still pitching. Uh, the quirkiest <laughs> player in all of baseball is still there. He's on Kansas city. He did get batted around recently, but he's still being really goofy with the whole pitch com thing. And if you want to watch some funny videos, just type in Zach Greinke and on YouTube and you will see some of the funniest things you've ever seen. So he does do, do have some of the funniest faces like on the mound. Totally. Like, like I love like so throwback to Andy Pettit, who potentially Hell had yeah. the most menacing look on the mound. Even though Andy Pettit, you know, if you met him in real life, he's not that intimidating a guy. But he had the most epic stare from yeah. the from the mound. But Zach Granke, my God, <laughs> he's got he, there's a couple times like he's on the mountain. I just start laughing. It's like, are you yes. serious? Yes. Although I think the probably the all time goofiest uh, matchup, Zach Rinke versus Mark Teixeira. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Battle of the goofs. The yeah. battle of the goof face. <laughs> you know, my sister played craps next to Mark Teixeira, and I was like, "Is he really goofy in real life?" And she's like, "Yeah, he made a stupid face the whole time." <laughs> <laughs> That's just his face. Yeah. Is so that, is that him trying to be goofy, or is that just him? So, Jeff, is the Scherzer cheating scandal? Um, oh, yeah, did you hear about that? Yeah, it's BS. It's BS. Yeah. That that umpiring crew, they're the, uh, they have thrown out almost every one of the pitchers that have been thrown out this year. It's been them. They had an MLB official checking him in the dugout, and that guy was saying, yeah, no, Scherzer's, Scherzer's clean. There's nothing wrong. He handed mm-hmm. him the glove that they said was full of the sticky stuff. So I think the umpiring crew is going to actually get in trouble. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay. Um, I think they're going to be reprimanded. Cause, and a follow-up question. Oh. Is Colt cheating again? How is he so good all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he looks... I, I'll say he looks nasty. His stuff has always been really good. I mean, to be clear... I feel like with Cole, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's cheating. Baseballers doing less checks. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure he's cheating. They're again. they're not <laughs> checking every pitcher, every game anymore. They're doing random checks now. Yeah. So 
there's a definitely a higher probability to cheat. <laughs> the, uh, uh, yeah. Last week, they told Herman to wash his hands, and then he left the field and came back, and he didn't. And so they told him to wash his hands again. That was when he, I saw he, that. he threw three innings of perfect game, and they're like, dude, seriously, mm. come on. So what is it? What is it just like more pine tar stuff that they're using on the ball or what? Every pitcher was using tack. Every yeah, it was tack. Called, okay. It was called spider tack. Gotcha. It was this crazy thing. Sticky it got, stuff. It, yeah, it, it really was crazy. If you look up videos of it, like the ball would like would just stick to like the tip of your finger and it'd be like solidly stuck to it. So it allowed um, the big word in baseball right now is spin rate and it increased pitcher spin rate dramatically. So oh, wow. spin, spin rate basically allows the pitch to move a whole lot more, whether it's mm-hmm. a slider or a fastball. Um, so Does it require less arm speed too, I bet. Exactly, yeah. Right. It requires less arm speed to generate the spin rate. Mm-hmm. So everybody was using it a few years ago. Um, the one who like broke it, funny enough, who had a lot of personal problems is Trevor Bauer. He basically went on a tirade against it because he hates Garrett Cole. Um, that so he knew Cole was using it and he went on a tirade about it, posted it on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and finally baseball realized, okay, we have to do something about this now. So and so the funny part about the mm-hmm. Garrett Cole story is that he literally just signed this giant contract with the Yankees after a twenty-two game season win game season, which is huge. He had the greatest season of his life, he got a big contract, he went to the Yankees and he was they cracked down on cheating and he was kind of bad for a little while and he did this press conference where he cried. Like he cried. Yeah, he literally cried because he's Ouch. and he, and he he's like, well, the ball's so hard to grip now, and it's, it was so sad. It was like, wow, this is really happening. Like, oh my god, made me think of uh, there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> Somebody wants a next topic. So we're gonna talk a little college football. Peyton and Eli Manning's nephew made big headlines committing to the University of Texas Longhorns with former Alabama OC Steve Sarkeesian last June. He was unveiled to the world again with spring practice games recently, but it was eventually announced that Quinn Ewers won the starting job for the second consecutive year. We haven't heard a lot about the next Manning, mainly because his family has shut down media coverage and a public limelight for the most part. And most people can't wait to see what this kid's got. So, gentlemen, does it mean anything that Arch Manning was not named the starter at Texas? Not even a single thing. He's a freshman, right? He's a redshirt freshman, yes. Yeah. He's a redshirt yeah, freshman. He was never getting that job. And honestly, if he got that job, everyone in the world would call foul. So, I think that they are progressing fairly. So, the, the guy, uh, Quinn Ewers, is really only a year older. Uh, he had a redshirt year at Ohio State before he transferred over to Texas. And last year, uh, he started 10 games for them. He had a 58.1 completion percentage, uh, almost 2,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Not a mobile quarterback. He had, uh, I believe it was 24 rushes for negative 50 yards. <laughs> Damn. Okay, then. And he's 6'2", 207. Arch Manning. 6-4-2-15. I mean, I think that job is Arches. I think he gets the job. Yeah. yeah. I think this is one of those things where, <laughs> maybe not so successfully, but they don't want Anthony Volpe to play his first day because they don't want to ruin him. I think also in sports, if you give kids, like a, if you give them the goal right away, I don't think they fight as hard. So I think that making him win the job is better. I, honestly, I think Steve Sarkeesian is a smart coach and I think he'll do him just fine. Yeah. I, I'm... I'm with John on this. I think this is a nothing burger. Um, it's kind of that typical media controversy they love to stir up. It's 
he's a Manning. Everyone wants he's to treat him like royalty, mm-hmm. but he's still a freshman. He still has to go out and prove himself. You don't just get a starting job because of who your dad is. I wish all of society worked that way, to be clear. I mean, his dad's like an insurance salesman, isn't he? Sorry. Yes. Because <laughs> he's well, part now, of that Now family. he's like a, yeah, he's like a commercial family, yeah. like celebrity with all the Caesars ads that they're doing. Or I think he's a professional SNL host at this point. Nobody cares about Arch Manning. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if he's as good as everyone says. I'm with John. He'll be starting in no time. But like this is I mean, just, his arm strength is ridiculous. Yeah. For an 18 year old, he can already throw 50 plus. I mean, he's going to be a good quarterback. Damn. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I mean, this is just like sitting your rookie year in the NFL, right? It's like give him a chance. He'll probably play this year. I'm sure he'll start a game this year. Um, and, you know, like freshman year of college that's a big difference honestly between freshman and sophomore i know you said the starter now is only a sophomore but like so he's a redshirt freshman he was on the bench the entire first year oh okay so that's how that works still though i give it time he's gonna start at some point this year you think so you think i mean even if let's say let's say yours goes undefeated after six games you think okay no i've seen this movie mark i it's a short (laughs) it's gonna be a short leash on uh on Quinn hours. Blue blue chips, man. Good good college football movie. Blue chips. I mean, it's college football, right? So what'll happen is like two or three games It's also the University of Texas. Yeah, exactly. Like two or three games in, something crazy will happen, right? Like the kicker will kick the ball backwards. (laughs) The quarterback will try and like save it and hurt himself. And, you know, then he'll be in there. So Steve Sarkeesian is a very smart coach. There are people above him and there's boosters. So... Uh, how so? How many games into the season you think Manning will will, will actually start a game? There's the question. The over under. Now, now we're talking. Mm-hmm. So there's generally about twelve I, games in a college football yeah. season. Depends on how the Longhorns do. They yeah, lose the first. Seven, they lose the first two games. He's playing. I should have looked up the schedule 5. ahead of time. Under and they're over, gonna they're gonna hit a losing streak. Under, they're not 7. super 5. good. I mean, under they're over, not bad, but they're not super good. Under over five. Five, yeah. I think. Okay. Under over five. I think. Different. I actually think under. No, without wow. seeing okay. the schedule. See, I was thinking a little bit later than that. You guys are really yeah. uh, gung-ho on them. Well, it just depends. I mean, they can't take yours out if they win the first game or the second game, but they're not going to win every game. No, they're not. Oh, I'll, So I'll, how, does, how does Arch Manning compare as a quarterback? Is he more like Peyton, more like Eli, or is he a totally different, his own thing? I haven't seen any tape on does him. Does anyone but, know? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, he's got the same He's got, he's got the same build uh, kind of as uh, as Peyton. He's, I think he's a little bit okay. more like Peyton than he is like Eli. Okay. He's a big uh, boy. Yeah, he, he does look boy. like he's just got that little bit of that like country heft to him a little bit. Six I mean, four we, two fifteen. Yeah, that's a big boy. I mean, we know that the Mannings aren't exactly fleet of foot, so we'll see. <laughs> no, no, no. Not the most athletic. I mean, he was a five star in high school, right? He was. Yeah, he was a five yeah. star. So he's great. He's great at football, Pete. Yeah. yeah I'm with who, Pete. I'm going to take the over. But will he have? How good mm. is his Manning face compared to Eli? Ooh, I don't know. The one I see Manning here, face. he looks. It looks like that killer instinct Manning face, but not not the Eli Manning face when he gets sacked towards the end of his career, though. Let, let's hope let's hope we don't what, see that. What one face for a is while. funnier, Eli Manning or Mark Teixeira? Mark Teixeira, yeah, yeah definitely Mark Teixeira. Yeah. <laughs> he was such a doofus. <laughs> I love Mark Teixeira, by the way. He was such a doofus. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> We're going to keep it on baseball. Um, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred continues to want to tinker in an attempt to save baseball. With the current rule changes going incredibly well as game time is consistently down and stolen bases are up, the MLB wants to continue to make changes that they will test in the Atlantic League. Uh, these include reducing the number of pickoffs a pitcher can try before he gets the runner, 
uh, from two to one, a designated runner, and a double hook, which essentially says the DH is lost if the pitcher doesn't complete five innings. So some of these sound nuts, and I brought this question up before with the last rules. Some of those sound nuts. Um, how do these new rule changes sound, and is baseball even broken to begin with? I mean, to the purists and the baseball enthusiasts that have watched the game forever, baseball is not broken. I do appreciate the rule changes that they've done. I mean, baseball games are now 20 to 30 games uh, faster, Minutes. which is nice. Which is nice. Uh, I mean, we all love those Yankees-Red Sox games that go uh, well after midnight. But the normal baseball fan doesn't want to see uh, a lot that long of a game. So for the greater good of the game, I do appreciate the rule changes. However, if they keep tacking on, then now they're just getting a little bit too gimmicky and confusing. Because if you, just, if you have certain rules this time and then different rules for another time... That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, only only uh, shortening the number of pickoffs from two to one, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Because really, what is what are you saving? Uh, I mean, stolen bases are already incredibly up. I exactly. mean, exactly, just a and, crazy and, season. And pitchers aren't bases. really doing they're they're not doing the two pickoff attempts. The designated runner. Okay, so what are we turning this into a beer league softball team now? Um, I mean, come on, just let 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 the guys run on on their own. It's it was always amazing to watch people like Cecil Fielder run the bases. Yes, <laughs> wow, a Cecil Fielder reference. Well done, Mark. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say the current rules. I love them. I said it on I said it on the uh, season I was on last with you when we talked about it, guys. Like I I love that the games are shorter. I went to a game um, a couple weeks ago with my son. Took him to his first game and oh, hell yeah you um, did yeah went with my dad and it even my dad noticed it he's like wow the game is moving like he said it like he could feel it. it's like the games move now it's like oh okay you're not sitting there waiting for 20 minutes for one at bat i mean it was freaking crazy the way 25 for noma yeah so in terms of the new rules mark i'm kind of with you i think they're getting i saw them and i was like hey these don't sound these sound really I think you what said is the purpose? gimmicky. Yeah, like I what don't understand. I, I kind of like the one that's intriguing to me, but I don't think it's a good idea to be clear. But I think it's the the problem they're trying to solve is intriguing. Um, the double hook um, that says the DH goes away if your pitcher doesn't get, basically give you a quality start. Like that's, or at least complete five innings. I I think the problem is interesting because pitcher changes also extend the game. Um that said, I know teams experimented with that whole like having the, you know, having six different, you know, pitchers in a game and having multiple starters and almost every team naturally moved away from that on their own. So I don't, I don't really know, like, I, I agree it's a problem pitcher changes take too long, but I don't know if this is the way to fix it. Um, it's awfully detrimental though. I mean, as far yeah. as like a fairness question, like a bad start hurts you on both sides of the yeah, ball, which is weird, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're already getting your ass kicked. You don't need to further get your ass kicked. Yeah. Well, right, you just can't catch up. I, I know that what part of why this is coming out right now, though, is I don't know how much you guys have been watching this season, but what's a big trend that's happened now is all of these guys got used to having all this time, so they're all like max effort guys. Every pitcher is now like a, I'm going to take all the time I need to wind up and rest between pitches and like throw 100 miles an hour every pitch. If you if you watch what happens to velocity later in the games, it's been dropping like it used to, like it was in the 80s and the 90s. Okay. That started to happen again. 
So literally, you'll watch guys that start in first inning throwing 100. Suddenly, by the fifth inning, they're only hitting like 95, 96 because they're running out of gas because they can't wait as long. They don't have as much rest. It's a really interesting point. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this is actually, that's where this is coming from, basically. They're further trying to incentivize to say like, hey, you really need to leave your pitcher in because I'm seeing a lot of that now. These pitchers going like four innings, four and two thirds innings. The bottom line is I just want to see pitchers pitch again and not just go out there and huck the yes. ball as hard as they can. Yes. Like I'm so tired of that. The and art of pitching. Yes. Like that. It's such a lost art. And the guys that can do it are doing great through this. If you want, like uh, the pitchers that are able to do that, no problem. It's the guys that essentially, like I said, are just got up there and like, I'm going to take 20, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds between pitches and throw a hundred every time and have no idea where it's going. You know, that's the guys that are hurting the most from this. So. And the fat guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you bring up a good point though. Like that is such a good rule because, and not only is it seemingly to do positive things for the game, but it's, it's one that everybody can follow. Like, I mean, I'm not a big baseball fan. I don't know all the rules, but that makes sense to me. Sure. Okay. It, it adds this element of time and, and like urgency to it. That is really cool. This, some of the other rules, it just seems like it's complicating for the sake of, of complicating. Yeah. It seems unnecessary tinkering. I will say though, in general, to, you you asked a question, John. I think baseball does have a problem. I mean, their viewership is going down. We talked about this in the last ep- episode, right? Um, that I was on with you guys. And and the thing is, I do think they need to do something. That said, I I am kind of leaning towards. I think they actually fixed the core problem already. I think they already did it, and mm. I'm not sure they need to do more. Well, baseball's having a really exciting year, right? You yeah. had the most exciting World Baseball Classic, right? Yep. Mike Trout versus Shohei Otani in the finals. Oh, it was amazing. Um, you had guys who broke their body, not even playing their job, and they're still like, "Oh my god, it was so fun!" Like two Mets, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, and now you have this season where pitching's great. There's tons of stolen bases. There's tons of runs still. And all the really exciting players like Judge and Cole and Atani and Trout, they're all having great seasons. Yes. Uh, seeing the stolen base come back, like, again, like another thing that is just awesome. Like, it is so much fun. I was actually going to throw out a different experiment. Um, I actually think they should increase the number of pickoffs. I think two is too few. So it makes it too easy for a runner now. Like, it's, yeah. it's too easy. It, it's actually. Yeah. Well, my point is, I know they're going, they want to experiment with one. I think they should go the opposite way and, and like give them Dolan three. bases are exciting. Yes. They make the game more interesting. hundred percent. Next topic, please. All right. Uh, it's my time to bum people out. This past Monday was the 127th Boston Marathon, but also the 10 year anniversary of the bombing. It was a tragic day that I surely will never forget as it was the first Boston Marathon that I had decided to watch in person. I remember walking away from the finish line moments before the first pressure cooker bomb went off, and we were a few blocks away hearing what I had thought was a cannon shot, which happened at times because it was Boston. I remember soon after watching on TV at a local bar what had happened, and I'll always remember how it affected some of my friends. As a result, heightened security measures were made at most public events. So, gentlemen, how has the world changed since the Boston Marathon bombing and have most people forgotten about that day? I just saw a special on it. I think mm-hmm. nobody's forgotten about it. Um, I mean, I guess the first part of your question, the world is kind of a shitstorm fire right now, though. And I think that while it's not necessarily directly related to the Boston Marathon, I think the the 
access to violence and the the willingness of people to do violence on other people is so high it's terrifying yeah um i think that um the and and think it's probably somewhat related you have a lot of people who i mean people have always been crazy right and people have always been depressed but now you take these crazy depressed people who are looking for attention and name recognition and you give them a way to do it right like i would almost and i know it's impossible but i would almost not cover public violence in the media because i mean that's what they're doing it for right they're doing it to for attention. you know for, well, not for attention, but like all these like you know, suicide by police, right? They're like they want to they want to be killed, and they want to be remembered, and so why not do it in a bla- in, you know blaze of glory, right? Which is crazy yeah, to that me. That is insane. I heard about an interesting viewpoint: the fact that you know when when someone like runs out in the field that they don't show it on the t- on the cameras, right? They someone mm-hmm. felt like they should do the same exact thing for 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 people that like bomb things and or 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 shoot people like they don't give them don't give them the um the notoriety or or the fame whatever you want to call it and don't even show their face that that's a tough call though because it's like but then how do you you know acknowledge and remember those that were lost in such tragedy well you can still do that and okay. not have just to focus focus on those exactly. that were lost, not on the, exactly. not I mean, that's on the not actual the, person. And the coverage is so sensationalistic and clickbaity, and I mean that's not what the coverage is even about. Most times, the coverage mm-hmm. is about the thought process and the patterns and the actual things, and it's yeah. gross, man. Right, which could be internet media is feeding gross. these people, is what you're saying. Yes, I have um a kind of mixed take on this. So I was also living in Boston when this happened. And I was in Boston that day at a training for work. Um, I wasn't working in Boston at that, in that year, but I was at a training. We were sitting in a room. I remember distinctly and the trainer suddenly gets a call, stops everything and says, there's been a bombing at the marathon. We're sending everybody home. And I remember Mark, you had invited me to the pub crawl that day. I was, so in Boston, Marathon day is kind of like, it's almost like an off day for everybody. Um, well, it's a Massachusetts holiday. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Massachusetts holiday. And I remember the first call I made, I literally picked my phone up and I tried calling you and the phone lines were jammed. Oh, they were jammed. And so I texted you and I, and God, man, I was like, holy, I knew where you were yeah, ending. I was yeah. like, oh my God. And it took you like 20 minutes to get back to me or something, whatever, like due to whatever happened. But it was like, I was like, oh my God, I hope he's okay. So like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have definitely not forgotten. I will say that much. I remember where I was. I remember what was going on. Um, and I remember a few days later, I was sitting in my apartment when they were looking for the two suspects and we were told to lock down yeah. because they were spotted at the 7-Eleven, two blocks from my yep. house. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so um, scary. They so, were just the next town over. Yeah. Yep. And they got, yeah, they got caught the next town over. Mm-hmm. So all that said, like when I think about it, I, I think it's made us aware that the world, the world feels a lot more tense, right? From 9-11 Columbine, the school shootings, marathon bombing, the train bombing. I was living in Europe when the tr- those train bombings were happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's made it feel, recently. Yeah, exactly. It's made it feel like we're not safe anywhere. But at the same time, I also remember the story of that victim of the marathon bomber. She was a dancer. She lost part of her leg. Her name was Adrian Hazlitt. And she vowed that this was not going to get her down. Three years later, she ran the marathon and completed it. Yep. Oh my gosh, so, that's awesome. I don't know. Like when I think about this, Mark, and change the world, it's, I think there's the, the negative side of it, right? That it feels a lot less safe. Mm-hmm. 
but it's also, I don't know, in my mind showed our ability as humans, our incredible capacity to, to be resilient and to hang on to hope. So I don't want to, I don't want to totally bond everybody. I want to leave it on that note personally. It's um, good on Boston strong, right? Boston, Boston strong. strong. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. And that was very poignant. And sorry, Mark, when you said that, I just was like, I remember this, man. I can't no. believe it's been 10 years. I know. I can't. I even forgot notice. you were still in Boston when that happened, but I guess it, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just in Boston for a few years at that point. I mean, I was in Boston yeah. for another three after that. No, that's true. Right. Yeah. I guess yeah. I forgot that was so long ago. I want to take Jamie to the Freedom Tower this year. Yeah, oh dude. my gosh. That memorial I, I went is, for the first time in September. Really, yeah. Isn't cool. it really like. It's powerful. Very. It's really, yes. That's the word. I, People I are cried. still like quiet. I, I cried the first time I went. But seeing all the names on the. the, yes. the it, it, and just yeah. crazy. Just it, the it, giant. It, they did a real holes. nice job. They yeah, did. It's, they it's did beautiful. A job. But like the footprints of that building, it's just, oh, man, it's I know. scary. It's just yeah. like haunting almost. I think that was one reason why I didn't want to go for so long. The skyline still throws me. And I'm old yeah. and I don't necessarily remember it, but sometimes I do, especially when I see it in like old movies. Yeah. Or, yeah, I watch Frank Friends episodes and they show it. It's like, oh. Exactly. Yeah. But anytime you watch a movie from the 80s and 90s, man, and you just see that iconic, mm -hmm. it's like, oh. Jeez, I remember were... that day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That day, I remember, yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember that day. Too. I remember that day. I still remember, uh, I woke up and I, I must've been like editing late in the studio or something. And you then, were up late and yeah, right. got up late <laughs> when does that that? Happen? <laughs> so I woke up and my girlfriend, Lori at the time called me, I woke up to the phone call and she was on a train headed towards the city when that happened. And luckily, you know, it was far enough away where she was stopped, rerouted and went, went back. But, yeah. uh, she just called me and she goes, Hey, just get up and get dressed and go out to your common room there. I guarantee you everybody will be up and just, just go and, and watch this. And yeah. it, it was, wow. We were already on hockey line. I actually had a physics class early that morning. And so we got let out early and then I walked to hockey line and then we just watched the coverage for like six hours. Mark, I'm still grateful you were okay, man. Not to take it away from, I, I oh, really, yeah, man, yeah, I remember right. that. I literally picked my phone up. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like the the chances. Like Mark's there. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's lucky. I, I, I just left. In the right place. Just yeah. left. Oh my yeah. gosh. Some of my friends were were there, but like half of us decided to leave. My brother was scheduled on the plane that hit the Pentagon. Yeah, he 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 just slept late and just skipped his flight and had it rescheduled. Next topic. Okay, so up until very recently, actor Jonathan Majors was at the top of his career, uh, becoming the big bad in phase five and six of the MCU as Kang the Conqueror. As well, he gained immense praise and recognition from fans and critics for his role as the antagonist in Creed Three, as well as many other projects like Love, HBO's Lovecraft Country. Uh, however, Majors was arrested in late March for assaulting his girlfriend, which has already stemmed a host of consequences, even though he has not been proven guilty yet. After his arrest, there are reports that Marvel had talks with him and his manager about his future in the MCU. Uh, Majors was already dropped from two major projects, including a biopic about Otis Redding, and he will not be part of the marketing campaign for the Texas Rangers. Uh, after a whole phase of the MCU devoted to Majors' first, albeit lackluster, on-screen role in Ant-Man 3, does Marvel replace him as the role of Kang, or will they follow the example of the DCEU and their treatment of the problematic Ezra Miller? That's a very interesting question, right? Now, Marvel has replaced an actor before. Now, not necessarily for disciplinary reasons. Colonel Rhodes was a different character in the first Iron Man, right? 
That is very true. He talks oh, about that's it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but that was because of a monetary dispute. But it's there, but there's precedence <laughs> though for Marvel changing the actor who played that character um, after after a movie, right? And they've done that with other movies before the show we were talking about Johnny Depp and how he was not the he was not Grindelwald in the most recent Fantastic Beasts. So there is that precedence of of changing the character. Now, like you said, Ant Man three was a little bit disappointing uh, in terms of some of the uh, the, the audience. So is it the end of the world if they if they change the actor uh, who played Kang? I don't know. So here is my monkey wrench in this whole situation. Okay, Marvel two years ago fired James Gunn for being a scumbag. Um, yep. He said some really gross stuff on the internet, and they said you're fired. Right? Easy. Uh, James Gunn, however, went off into the DCU and made a couple of great projects, and he is apparently directing Guardians 3. And so, the real problem that I'm having with well, he, this... The is, people had to fight for him to... Uh, but the real problem I'm there. having with this is that Jonathan Majors, not proven guilty yet, even though True. I don't even want to get into that stuff, but James Gunn, doing a terrible thing, proven, and being a white man, got his job back, and... If they fire Jonathan Majors for something that has not gone to courts yet, what kind of blowback do they expect on that? Mm. Being that he is not a white man. Yeah, the, these cases, obviously, not. I'm not an expert, but I have been in the orbit of people who have worked very closely with domestic violence and sexual assault victims and have explained the law around it to me. My thoughts on this are... <sighs> are mixed i would say yeah i don't think this is an apples to apples comparison yeah this is uh, uh, yeah that's so that's where i'm going with it first of all ezra miller has a long pattern of problematic behavior yes. i don't think that is a clear comparison like like that dude i mean there are literally articles written to all of the crazy things he's done i mean i mean the reason i bring it up is because yeah. dc thinks we have short memories which some of us do apparently but Correct. they just shelved it for a year they said people will forget and they're gonna put it out yeah, but yeah. it's just, it's so hard. He has not been convicted yet, so it's it's still alleged. Um, I also know that the first woman, his girlfriend, who accused him is apparently recanting her testimony. But that said, in these cases, that's it's, it's very common for a number of reasons for that to happen. Mm -hmm. I will he's say, big, one of the things I do know... He's a big man. Yeah, well, one he's of the things I do man. know is these cases are some of the hardest to prove and yeah. prosecutors often will not bring charges unless they are sure they can nail somebody yeah so the fact that they brought charges at all says a lot so i'm not trying to convince anybody he's guilty or not i'm just calling that out um i don't know what i would do in marvel apparently his he's already finished his role filming loki 2 so <laughs> and they were filming um yeah. avengers 5 right um kang yep. dynasty yep. was being yep. filmed six months ago yeah, so they're in a really tough spot. I, I see why you asked, John. I, I don't know if there's a right answer here. I, I don't know how you can until there's a conviction. I, I, I just being straight up, I, I don't know how you I can. I agree with that. No, I agree with that. In this country, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, even yeah. though the court of a public opinion is completely different, because usually when you hear some kind of charge, everyone automatically believes that you're guilty, especially when it comes to domestic charges. Well, he's radioactive right now. Yeah. I mean... Mm. Yeah, I was going to say from like a, a money and financial a planning standpoint, like they're thinking so many movies out, you know, they might want to nip this in the bud, or at least that could be their thinking. Like before everybody's seen him in seven or eight Marvel movies and he's like a household name. I mean, that's the like, thing 
go. Be way worse Jonathan to Majors is a household that. name. He's become a household name very yeah. recently. He is well, a but as that very character, though, compelling actor. Oh. No, but mm-hmm. he's a very compelling mm-hmm. actor, and right. everyone is aware that this is his job because they've been talking about it for a year. Yeah. Oh. Building on something Mark said, though, um, you know, Marvel threw the whole multiverse out there. There's no saying that Kang doesn't look differently in a different part of the multiverse. Right? Like, really that, awfully, that is an awfully cheesy plot device. I, I agree, think that John, would be- but you know, I'm we just saying, to, like, we went to Earth 617 you know, instead like, of 616. Like the, or- the moment that Tom Cruise comes out as Ultimate Iron Man, I'm gonna groan. Oh. <laughs> and it's, I'm gonna. Womp, womp. Excuse me, sir. Can I please have a next topic? Now I have 10 quick fire questions, but this time there will be multiple choices. So it's time to reintroduce the segment. Pick your balls. Are we ready, gentlemen? Ready. Uh, Are we ready to pick our balls? Always. Yes. All right. Number one, which quarterback would you choose as the top pick? Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or Will Levis? I think Stroud has to go. I think that... Young is too short. I think Stroud is a little bit of everything in the goodness. And I think Richardson, while being the most athletic, is probably the most dangerous. And nobody's mm-hmm. picking Will Levis but the Patriots. <laughs> He's not going to the Patriots. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with John's pick. I'm just going to say CJ Stroud for all the reasons. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for the athletic freak, Anthony Richardson. I want Anthony Richardson to literally win the rookie uh the offensive rookie player next year because i think he's, he's not so gonna f- play next year but i think he's mm. so exciting like uh, my god I, I like like the josh allen i want quarterbacks to do everyone everyone thinks athletic quarterbacks that are, aren't uh, <laughs> that like aren't very uh, accurate or josh allen now i hate that bryce so you're young saying there's a chance you think bryce, bryce, you, think bryce you think bryce young over <laughs> cj stroud and i yes. do as a as a person with football knowledge think that they are going to go one two in one order or another all right well that brings me to the next one who should the texans choose at number two quarterback or non-quarterback i mean they're going to pick a quarterback so are they matter. yeah there's a lot are. of buzz that's saying that they're not going to pick a quarterback at number really? two. that Ooh. they really like will anderson jr who then throws they have the ball poorly and they don't care they're, they're, no, who so throws no, the ball? They're, they're saying that they're going to essentially throw away this year. Well, they're not explicitly saying they're going to throw away this year, but they want to take a chance on next year's quarterback class rather than this year's quarterback class. <sighs> but how many years are you just bottom feeding? I don't know. I, I say take one every year until you land one because you never know. Yeah, I, I think they're going to take a QB. I think this is misdirection. You think so? Yeah, yeah I think I think they planted the story. That's that's my. I, I think yeah, the, potentially I think they were they wanted to plant the story so they could potentially build the trade yeah. value, it's and they thinking. probably would bite if someone actually gave them a really enticing offer. But yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna choose a quarterback. Which defensive player will impact his team the most next year? Jalen Carter, Will Anderson Jr., or Devin Witherspoon? Will Anderson Jr. Easy question. Next. <laughs> <laughs> That man is so large and so fast. It's really kind of terrifying, honestly. But you think more than Jalen Carter? I don't know. That's my guess. I I actually really like Jeff Stolzfus's prediction that he will get drafted the Eagles at number 10 and they will have two Georgia defensive tackles on that team. That would be actually pretty epic. And they're friends. Yeah. Uh, For that size, too, Witherspoon ran 4-4-6 and 4-4-2. Ooh, crazy man yeah i'm with john I'm, the athleticism of that dude that is incredible and i mean it's all about athleticism at this point get me in I, I just want dexter lawrence to be a giant again 
(laughs) (laughs) I have easy wishes. Who will win more games this season? The Tampa Bay Rays or the New York Yankees? New York Yankees. Next question. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next. You know what? You know, just to be different, I'm going to say the Rays. How does that happen? I don't think it's going to actually happen, does, but I'll, I'll, I'm taking the... Uh, how does McClanahan, does McClanahan win 50 games? Like, I don't understand. He might. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he might. What I've been saying to everyone, right, is with this Johnny Brito experiment, and um, thank God Cole is pitching the way he does, we just have to survive until Rodan is back, right? Once Rodan comes back, then... Yeah, I mean, that's why I think they have a chance. I think the Yankees pitching is thin. If I'm being very honest, it's probably going to be the Yankees, but... I'll take, I don't know, the Rays have really surprised me. They look and a now lot no, better. And now that nobody cares that at least two of the Yankee pitchers are cheating, I think that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these pitchers is the best today? Garrett Cole of the Yankees, Luis Castillo of the Mariners, or Shane McClanahan of the Rays? Garrett Cole. Again, easy question. These are easy, Mark. <laughs> so I'm glad you're having an easy job picking your balls. <laughs> I mean, they're all having great seasons. Yeah. They're all striking out a lot of guys. I think that Cole's numbers currently are probably the most impressive. Yeah. I'm, I hate just throwing it at the Yankees. I, Cole looks pretty ridiculous. It looks like he's figured it out this year. So yeah. Cause he can use the sticky stuff again. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to have to say Cole, <laughs> although I, I, I personally want to say Castillo personally. And I'm just going to, Castillo is um, ridiculous. I really like him, but bring up I, the stats for anybody who doesn't know Greg Cole currently four, no 0.95 ERA 32 strikeouts. Tons of sticky stuff. Hmm. Which of these pitchers in the sticky stuff? Which of these pitchers in the prime would you want to start Game Seven of the World Series? Mm. Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, Sandy Koufax, or Andy Pettit? Oh God! Do you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, you're going to say Pettit. I know what Sean's going to say. <laughs> okay, and just so it doesn't look like I'm a fanboy, though I'm a little bit of a fanboy. I, you Andy know Pettit. what? I specifically put Andy Pettit because of you. Andy Pettit would always win at least two games in the seven game series. He would always, win, always win Game Seven. He's he's the best postseason pitcher of all time. Yeah, the best he postseason is. pitcher yeah, of wins. all time. Yeah. I mean, he is, and I mean that's statistically proven, yeah. right? He's won at least twenty postseason games. <sighs> yeah, that's but more uh, than Pedro in his prime, nineteen ninety nine. But, but Pedro didn't perform in the postseason, Mark. Yeah, he Let's did. Say he made the World Series in nineteen ninety nine. You're saying in their prime. So here's my problem. So I'll call it why I'm having trouble with Pedro. Every, what happened with Pedro every season, you saw it too, Mark. He was on your team. He'd be yeah, amazing so in the regular gas. season and he'd run out of gas. <laughs> so game seven by game seven, he's out of gas. Um, Randy, I would ask you, but I'll pick Randy Johnson. Johnson, okay. like I, hmm. Johnson is nasty. I'll take him. All right. Which movie should I watch before it leaves the theaters? Reinfeld? Or, I'm sorry, Renfield. <laughs> Reinfeld. I, when I wrote that, I kept thinking it said Seinfeld. Seinfeld with an R. Right. I think I'm going to keep that. That's really great. Renfield, Air, or John Wick Chapter 4? John Wick Chapter 4 seems more of the cinematic, like, go to the I theater agree, see. because you need the the big screen and the base for all the kicking and the shooting. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking think Renfield, the- though, because I want to see... It's been a while since so I've seen a good comedy in the theaters, and, you know, laughing mm. it's, is pretty contagious, isn't it, in a, in a movie theater? Uh, That's yeah. true, yeah. And I've, I've heard good things about Renfield. That social aspect of it, yeah. I, I mean, we want to go We want to go see Renfield. That's the one we want to go see, mm-hmm. so... Benchworth uh, looks great. I mean, for real. All right, which streaming platform is the last you would give up? Netflix, Disney Plus, or HBO Max? HBO Max. 
Wait, these aren't very hard for you, John, are they? No, they're not hard at all. <laughs> wow. The last to give up. I'm, I am um, very, I'm, and until the debacle happens next month when HBO Max becomes Max and Discovery uh, starts yeah. to rule the universe, yeah. I am under the very, very clear impression that the best streaming stuff is being created by HBO and Apple TV. And it's consistent, and it's been going on for years. I have yep. started watching Binging Succession. Succession. Show. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. House is of the there... Dragon. Is there none of the above? I'd... Westworld before they canceled it. Why? Because you don't have any off. of those. <laughs> I only have Disney Plus because it came with my Verizon Wireless for six go. months. So the uh, is but I mean, okay, let's just right. if you if you stole television, which you obviously don't, which you don't, I do not. You, no one ever said you did. No one ever said you. No one ever said you did. If you did that, what kind of whose content would you give up? HBO to Max. There we go. There we go. All right. So. Which sport that we've never talked about should we discuss next episode? And I will actually pick this as a topic. Pickleball, swimming, figure skating. Swimming is so interesting right now and really controversial. So I think we should talk about swimming. Swimming is fun. I'm going to go figure skating, though. You knew where I was going with that, didn't you, John? I'm actually with Pete. I think you should do figure skating. Figure skating is actually pretty. Oh, two to one, John. I'm sorry. There's so much history. Plus, yeah, we, we know someone that figure skates. Like, we know yeah. somebody that figure skates, right? She yeah. was just in a competition. Shout out to Jess Marshall. Hey, Jess. Okay. Last one. Which of these musicians would you want to talk to today? Kurt Cobain, Chris Cornell, or Amy Winehouse? Have all of the above. <laughs> Play by the everything, rules, Pete. Everything <laughs> I read about Kurt Cobain says that he was a very thoughtful person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. David Grohl, in his autobiography that came out two years ago, talked about how much he loved Kurt Cobain. So I think Kurt Cobain. I agree. Mm. Just because I, I don't feel like you would ever get to know the real him unless you had a quiet one-on-one, just shoot the shit conversation. I agree. Actually, I think that's exactly the reason. I, I Where I am in my life now, and I am a Chris Cornell fanboy, so this is this is mm. uh, tough for me. But It's probably always in there. But I'm... I think gonna, no, I think it's a very tough question, actually. This, I, I do too, because I actually almost said Amy Winehouse. I'm I would kinda, I would pick Amy yeah, Winehouse. Um, that would be fascinating. But too. I, I'm gonna lean on Chris Cornell because of my own age. Like I think he struggled with a lot of the same things Kurt Cobain did. And he I know this sounds terrible. He lived longer and he worked through them and had his ups and downs. Um and I guess I'd just be curious to hear hear about those and like what he yeah. struggled with and how he how he rode those waves. Um obviously in Fortunately, like Kurt, he succumbed to it, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I'm, I'm going to have to say Chris. Yeah. Not a wrong answer in that whole bunch. Final topic, fight! I needed to ask another MCU question. Um, we're only two weeks out from our next MCU drop, and again, I am fangirling a bit. Uh, Cosmo the Space Dog has officially joined the team, and the Guardians of the Galaxy will be against Adam Warlock and a new big bad, the High Evolutionary. Uh, so with the failure of Ant-Man 3, and I still love MCU releases, uh, what does Marvel need to do to get back on track in Phase 5? Uh, which storyline or character would you love to see on the big screen? So Guardians is probably a good way to get everyone back because I think I think everyone loves the Guardians. The rapport that they have with everyone I, I think is amazing. And, you, you know, we get to see we get to see grown-up Groot again, right? We don't no longer with oh, the, yeah. the little kid Groot or the teenage Groot. Mm-hmm. Teenage Groot. <laughs> So I think I think Guardians has a good chance of getting people back into MCU. I haven't seen the new Ant Man three, unfortunately. I do want to see it, but I guess at this point, because I, I don't know if it's in theaters anymore, I it's might have on, to wait for it's Disney. Be on Plus. It's probably Disney, Plus right? Soon. Yeah, 
I really think there's a good chance that people will get back into the MCU after after Guardians. So I think the problem, at least for me, is that there was a lot of phases one through three that did a lot of um, character development. Character building, and, yeah. And, and really like emotionally com- complex is it too much of a word, but like an emotionally grounded position on character development. Yep. Like Wanda and Vision's relationship, something like that, right? The reason Cap does the things he does. The reason Tony's mad at everybody. The reason Bucky's mad at everybody, right? And we mm-hmm. cared about a lot of the characters. And I don't think they have spent the time. I mean, because what they did was they they hit the final. And they're like, okay, this is our chance to introduce new characters. And I don't think they did that at all in Phase 4. I don't think they touched any emotional reasons for any of the characters doing anything. Well, yeah. I, I think that's also the, the problem potentially is that they don't necessarily have those characters. I mean, Iron Man was so complicated. And yeah. um, Thor, Thor, they did a great job of humanizing him and he, he uh, feeling all the, the human emotions that he was going through. That's so, still my favorite series. And, and Captain America, same, same exact thing. There was just a, a lot of humanizing of, uh, of feelings that he had. I mean, the, the whole, the whole, his whole love story with Peggy is is tragic but amazing at the very same time and we got a great you know spoiler a great ending and at the end of a infinity war um <laughs> endgame. or endgame i'm sorry if anybody hasn't yeah, seen yeah. that at this point right it's, come on <laughs> I, I almost added that as a part of the drinking game when we say spoiler even though it's like a 20 year old like, right. like, like they, reference. Get, they get the shark at the end of draws you guys spoiler alert but, so the, the, yeah. those those characters, like, while they probably should do a better job of building them up and developing them, like they did in phases one through three, there's there's not many left because Captain America is technically gone. Iron Man is no, he's not technically gone. <laughs> Never mind that. Oh yeah, he'll be back. Um, I so y'all have said like all the points I I had. I I think they've. Marvel got away from what made phases one and yes. through three so powerful. Is it that the human connection you felt it wasn't the superpowers or the fact they were superheroes. No. It was the fact that you saw their flaws. You saw them as human mm-hmm. beings. You saw them as emotional beings and we connect with that. Right. Um, so, totally. but what I'll add to it is I think like to answer it, I think what they need to do is I think they need to simplify. They've thrown too many characters. They like picked every comic book they could think of and like, let's just, throw the kitchen sink at it. I think they just need to pick a few of the strongest ones now and drop everything else. Um, the ones I can think of off the top of my head, I actually thought Shang-Chi was really strong. I thought that was great. I think they should roll with that. I think Yelena Belova, she's amazing. I think um, Kate Bishop, their relationship, like that was great in the Hawkeye series. Like explore some of this stuff. I think you've got some elements there, but just reduce, like get rid of all the fluff. Like um, the one I can think of off the top of the head is like, just ditch the Eternals. Don't even bother revisiting <laughs> that. Yeah. Don't even bother revisiting it. Like, just, yep, we screwed up. I'm pretty we'll sure they actually already decided that. So, <laughs> no. This is they probably Harry no. really oh, come on. Harry Styles uh, signed for a movie. Kevin, Harry what's Styles. wrong with you? <laughs> so, I, I would say, like, I'm sure the X Men are probably like a couple phases off still, but if they ever get to them, please don't do Phase like six, the man. same mistake they did with the Eternals. I think, like, for X Men, you could. I almost feel like it'd be better served if it started as a mini series. Well, people Disney know Plus the X Men, though. People, they do. A lot, a lot of people know the externals. No, that that's true. But, but like, there's a big have, high probability of them like failing with X Men if they don't cast it right. 
Right. Oh, yeah, of course. And also, like, to lend to what Jeff said before, really focus it on the characters and yeah. their stories, yeah. their their backstories, all that stuff. Like, I almost think you could do a mini series on Disney Plus first, and each episode, like, is kind of centric to a character. And maybe set up a series of movies from then, because then you can roll with the crazy big action, but you care about those characters now. You know all of them. I want, personally, because... I, I like a lot of the big comic arcs, right? Like arcs like Infinity War, like the big ones. And so there's an arc called House of M. House of M is a next men arc, and it's about the Scarlet Witch and um, her children, which they've kind of already set which up. So I think yep. that they might yep. do House of M. Wanda's motion in the MCU is close to that, where she feels lost for a thing that she feels like she should have. And she even writes, so WandaVision, probably the best thing in phase four. Um, she feels like she deserves and then she didn't get. And I think that they threw that away a little bit with Dr. Strange too, because they paid her off. They paid that arc off as her being a full villain and not a relatable one. Like Thanos was like, right. Thanos was evil, but we cared about the reason why. And I think the reason why, um, Uh, Wanda was doing the things that she was doing was lost on the violence and like the fact that they got Sam Raimi to make it and it was a horror movie and not really a Marvel movie and I mean I liked some parts of it like I liked the evil dead Dead parts but I think that they kind of did her a disservice um because that's emotional emotional strings that give Wanda a reason to do the things that she's doing well John I I don't mean to break your heart now did you see it? I th- it's looking like Elizabeth Olsen is done with the MCU. I did see Uh-oh. that. Yeah. So I think Scarlet Witch, I think she's gone. Well, which they I agree with you. She was one of the most For now. They They'll throw money open. at her and she'll probably I mean, be fine. All right. Side note, they did, t- they did ask Charlie Cox directly if he was coming back and he said no, as well as Vincent D'Onofrio. Okay. You're right. You're right. Yes. They yes. both lied on camera to journalists when they were asked directly. You're right. I think just coming back to it, it's, it's, I, I think House of M is interesting, but I think they, unfortunately, they, they kind of screwed up on that. I think so too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Pete's ID is an interesting one. The X-Men are very compelling. That would be, that would and be they something. They have the rights that's now. The way, yeah, they have <laughs> yeah, the rights again. Right? That's the way to, to kickstart people's interest in Marvel again. What was the name of the storyline where, um, Magneto pulled the adamantium out of Wolverine. Oh, of that Wolverine. was, um, yes, it was X-Men 25. I remember that, oh, that was such, such a, a fatal attractions was the storyline comic. And it was like, that was so cool. Does Cumberbatch come back? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I really, think, I, I just suspect he's done too. I wow. got it. They did such a slaughter job on his, on, uh, yeah. Sam Raimi well, I mean, he has an arc person. though, right? So he has an arc. It, just, it just wasn't the right director for the right time in the MCU. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I bring think back. they have lined it up for him to come back, Bigger, yeah. but, but, but the issue they're having right now, right? Like this is back to the simplify. Dr. Strange one was 2016. Dr. Strange two was 2022, six years later. Yeah, that is the, a long the phases time. one Holy through cow. three did not have six year gaps. Well, th- yeah, like, there were two movies in between that, that he was in. Yeah, but he, <laughs> yes, two and a half. but yes because they have the appearance but i mean like centered on them like no i got you i got you you didn't build his character right like there wasn't real character actually i thought they did enough with the first doctor strange movie to build his character i really did Mm. all right well i I get your point i get your point i get your point (laughs) yeah so that has been our 10 topics please follow or like us on our socials at if these balls pod on twitter instagram and facebook 
Our website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com where you can see our sports news of the day. You can talk to us through Discord or visit our online store and purchase some show swag. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you, Senior Pikers. Thank you, sir. Thank you, boys. Good to thank see you, you, as always. This is Mark Pesci, and for my partner, John Campania, and producer, Pete Steffen, that's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. <laughs>